Well, good morning, Rock Harbor Church. It is great to see you today here at Rocky as well as at the Hub. Uh, it is awesome to be with you. My name is, uh, is Nate, and I want to start off this morning by going on a little bit of a journey. So if you guys wouldn't mind, go ahead and stand. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to go on a journey this morning, kind of a mental journey. So if that means for you, if you need to close your eyes maybe to, to, to picture this, or if you need to stare up at the ceiling or the wall, whatever you need to do, come with me on this journey. Imagine for a second that you were in need of a job. You've been searching online, you've been asking all your friends, you've been updating your resume, you've been submitting applications everywhere that you can. One day, out of the blue, you get a phone call and you've been invited for an official job interview. You don't know much about the job yet, but you know this. You need work and you've been told by some friends that you trust that this is an amazing, life-changing job. Now picture this with me. You arrive to the job interview dressed in your Sunday's best, sharpened your front pocket pencil, shined your shoes, and the interviewer walks in the room holding a cup of black coffee poured from the pot that was brewed the night before, drops a heavy six-inch binder right on the table that holds all the details of the job and responsibilities that you are interviewing for. They greet you with a tired smile, slowly tuck in the front of their wrinkled shirt, sorely sit down in the metal folding chair across from you. They take a slow, deep breath and begin to tell you how fulfilling this job is going to be. Endless hours, nights and weekends, No holidays off, little to no pay. There will be unending negative feedback along with consistent write-ups for shortcomings and failures within your job. You pause. In this moment, you feel your pulse beginning to race. Your palms are sweaty and you're second-guessing even walking through the doors. So now tell me, how many of you would stand up and walk out of that job interview right then? It's okay, don't be shy. Of course, that's a pretty scary job interview that we just heard. As we dive into the passage today in 2 Corinthians, we're going to be reminded of a few things. The letter that Paul is writing to the Corinthians is an encouragement, but it also often has corrections for the church in order to help motivate the church to keep pursuing the things of God. This chapter is full of encouragement and some correction as we pursue the things of God. However, it can sometimes feel like that job interview. It can sometimes feel like you are walking into that place Because in this moment, in this chapter, things have gotten very difficult, very difficult for those who, pardon me, follow Christ. The church is divided and followers are growing fatigued in this endless persecution for their faith in following Jesus. So in this chapter, Paul is going to lay out some somewhat 
heavy reminders of the commitment that they have made, the commitment that we have made as followers of Christ. But the commitment that we have made is the ministry of Jesus. He is reminding us the commitment that we have made in pursuing the ministry as Jesus. So if you have your Bibles today, if you could go and pull those out, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. If you have your digital Bible, go ahead and open that at this time. Close Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. So let's read this out together. Let's dive right in. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Commend is commit. So we commit ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, and patience, kindness with the Holy Spirit and genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, yet are true. Okay, thank you. So we just got a little reminder of what this job is going to look like. We got a little reminder of what this is going to look like. And if we start right there, if we start on verse 4, it can feel like that binder slamming on the table going, here is your list of responsibilities. Begin. But let's go back up to verse 1 because it's very important that we start at verse 1. It says, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That sentence is so powerful. The very first line, it's easy to skip right over what that says. Working together with him. We have established and we are reminded that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, has not only given his son Jesus to pay the price of sin and death, but now through Christ we have that personal relationship. And now what is this reminding us is we are working together with him. How powerful is that? Together with the God who created all things, sent Jesus to pay the debt, is working with us and sharing the gospel of Christ. Then it goes on, we appeal to you not to receive it. So don't, don't just take hold of it. Don't just learn it of the grace of God in vain. So what that is telling us is don't just know it here and feel it here and do nothing with it. This is calling us to do something with it. And this morning, some of this is, you know, pretty heavy. But as we unpack it, we need to be reminded of the why. Why are we pursuing the things of God? Because it will be difficult. It will be hard. There will be struggle. But we have to remember the why. The hope, the love, the salvation, the peace, the joy, the count. Pardon me, the counsel, everything that comes with our salvation in Jesus is why we pursue him. He goes on and he says, for he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day of salvation. He was saying that thousands of years ago. He's saying that today. It'll be said tomorrow. It'll be said the next day. Whenever you are hearing it and receiving it and learning of it, that's the favorable day. He's reminding, do something now. Maybe today is the day that you are hearing about this for the first time. You're saying, Jesus, salvation, hope, joy. Uh, It's going to be hard, going to be a lot of work. Okay, tell me more. Today is the favorable day for you. If you've received Christ and you're sitting here, today is the favorable day because not everyone has received that gift yet. What role might we play You know, why do we procrastinate things that will benefit our lives to chase after things with very little benefit in the long run? Why do we do that? Why do I do that? I'm not like a crazy bad procrastinator, but why do I do it at all? Why do I allow myself to get distracted with things that really don't matter for long-term things that are actually going to be a consequence in my life We often push off things that we know are right that we should be doing because I I just can't stick to that discipline and that commitment. I need to strengthen my discipline in knowing what is right and doing the things that are right. No more procrastination. I need to get it done. I need to get going. I need to get started, whatever it might be. I think back to um, high school. It's been a little while, a decade, two, I don't know, maybe somewhere in the half. Um, but you can judge from the amount of hair on my head. It's been a while. But I remember back in high school, um, we were coming up to a few days before uh, the semester was over for the year, and my math teacher called me to the front. He said, Mr. Fowler, can you come up here? So, of course, I, you know, innocently walked up front to see what was the matter. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, we have a problem, Mr. Fowler. And I said, oh, okay, please, please do share. And he said, well, currently you are not going to pass this class. And with shock and dismay, I said, well, how can that be? And he said, well, because you haven't turned in over 20 assignments. (laughs) And I stood there, and I looked at him with a straight face right to his eyes, and I said, you know, I had good intentions to do that. But I lost them when I was fighting a kid that was saying, you're not the greatest teacher at this school. I did not say that. I wish I would have said that because that would have been amazing, but I didn't. I didn't. I simply had to deal with the consequence of my procrastination. And I will tell you what, he was my favorite teacher the second time around also. (laughs) I had to deal with the consequences. We all procrastinated at different things, right? There's some of us in this room that are like, no, I don't. I, I can't relate with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you do. So like we all have our own things, our own procrastinations. You know, around the house, I have a, a responsibility of cleaning the shower. I wouldn't say it's procrastination. What I would say is I just want to get the full effect of seeing how clean it is once I actually clean it, right? I like to experience that OxyClean commercial when you take a swipe and it's like, whoa, the yellow's gone or whatever. You know, it's like, I want to fully embrace what that means. 
or changing light bulbs. That's so annoying. I'm sorry, but it's annoying. You got to get a chair because the ladder's too big and the ladder's outside. And then you walk through the house and you knock things over. So you're on a chair, but it's not quite tall enough. Then you got to find the bulbs. Then you can't break the old one. It's so frustrating. There has been a bulb on the outside of our house that has been out for, I kid you not, probably two or three months. Every time I pull in at night, I spend at least a minute complaining about that light and saying, I've got to change that light bulb. I just had to get the box, take the bulb out, and take 30 seconds to go put a different bulb in. But for some reason, it felt so good to just procrastinate. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But that's the thing about procrastination. We don't know why, and we can't explain it. But what I will say is procrastinating in different areas of our lives will carry different consequences in our lives. But unfortunately, some of the consequences can carry eternal, eternal consequences. Some of the procrastination can carry eternal consequences in our lives. You know, some of us procrastinate to make our lives right with Christ. We know, yeah, it's right. I need to, yeah, I'm gonna, yep, I'm gonna do that. I'm, I'm busy. I got this thing and that thing and I got a jam here and I got a jet there and my mind's here. And, and when this settles down, when that slows down, when this thing's done and that's, there's this procrastination of maybe we see this discipline and we go, oh, but it's, it's like so like consistent. Gotta be like committed. It's gonna take discipline to be consistent and that's hard. Well, Paul's reminding us, yep, yeah, sure is. It's very hard. This path, this journey is very difficult. It won't be easy, but anything that is great and anything that is worth it will be difficult. It takes discipline. It takes commitment. Some of us, some of us today are saying, I will get to that later. I will worry about that phase of my life later because I have other things now that need my attention. But imagine how much greater the things that we're paying attention to now will be when we're working along with the Lord, with the God of all creation who has designed that path and that journey for us. How much greater will it be to do that with him? then put it aside for later. If you've already received salvation through Christ, then now is the time. Now is the time for someone else to give their lives to Christ. And what role can I play in that? Maybe that's the question we need to be asking ourselves today. That might be the stirring that spurs us forward saying, okay, I've received Christ. I know that, that I am navigating this journey. Yeah, it's hard, but I'm committed and I'm faithful. But someone else needs to hear about the salvation of Christ. What is my role in that? Because it goes back to verse 1 where we started this whole chapter. Don't receive, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't just hear it and know it and feel it, but do something with it. Why? Because that is what God did for us first. Do something with this gift. Here are some paradox that Paul explains when we pursue the ministry of Christ. It goes on in verse 8, and it says this. 
Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true. As unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live. As punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. That's some heavy paradox. But what's even heavier is that, that Jesus was the most loved while at the same time the most hated figure in all of history. Jesus was the most loved and the most hated at the same time in all of human history. In John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Oh, maybe that's why this path is a little bumpy. Because Jesus says, yeah, it's a paradox. But just know that as you continue to pursue the things of God like I did, know that, know that others will not like that. Because of how you live and because of what you speak. But Jesus was focused on bringing honor to God and not the things of this world or the, the, the people in this world He was bringing the story of salvation that he would pay because he was focused on bringing honor to God. His life was for the glory of God. The Lord will honor you for honoring him. That is where the honor is. He will honor you for honoring him to put all that aside and say, man, my life is for the glory of the Lord, even though I know it will be difficult. It will be worth it. And at this point in the chapter, at this point in the whole book, we know that the church in Corinth was not very happy with Paul. Not very happy with Paul. Um, Paul was dropping some truth bombs, right? You're just kind of dropping some, oosh, yeah, called you out. Like, ugh. And as you have a truth bomb, if you're called to the table, so to speak, That can be very uncomfortable, but that doesn't change the truth. That doesn't change the truth of God. In verse 11, he says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts. So what Paul is making very clear is, I have not done this to you. This journey is not difficult because of me. You are restricted in your own affections. Paul makes it clear that the world restricts us in this journey. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Distractions. Whoa! Distractions. The sheer amount of distractions that we deal with that pull our attention every single day. If I had my phone, I'd pull it out. So distracting. This app, that app, this website, Google, YouTube, oh, information. Oh, no. Get a look at it. 
Oh, yeah, wow, what was it? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, next. Oh, Netflix? Whoa. You know, whatever. It's like there are endless distractions that we have. Now, are all of these things bad and negative and horrible? No. I mean, it's, it's fine. But what gets us is the all-consuming distraction where all we can do is deal with this next bit of information. So much of it, the distraction away from the things of God becomes such a restriction. And that's what Paul is reminding us. It's such a restriction. You are restricted by it because that's all that you're focusing on is the things of this world. You've got to shift that and look upon the things of God and what God has called you. Remember back to the why. Why are we doing what we do? It's the hope and the salvation. And when talking about restrictions and things of this world, it's no mistake that Paul immediately speaks about the second most important relationship that we're ever going to have on this earth. In verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? That's, there's a lot right there. But first, what is a yoke? Like, what, what is this? A yoke is this large wooden beam that would unite. The word yoke means unite. It means unite or join. It would join in two oxen or two horse or two cattle, and it would combine their power, and it would help focus their energy in the same direction to plow or to pull, whatever it might be. It would strengthen their focused energy. That is what a yoke is. The bottom line, what Paul is saying here, is if your spouse isn't a believer, this can become a major restriction in your personal pursuit of the Lord. Because after your relationship with Christ, who you choose to marry is the second most important decision you will make. That is what Paul is saying to us kind of asking, do you have one foot in the world and one foot pursuing Jesus? For those of us in the room who are married, I would ask, are you encouraging your spouse to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? That goes both ways. Are you encouraging and stirring up your spouse to be a fully devoted follower of Christ? Maybe there's some of us in this room who are in a serious dating relationship. How is that person pursuing the Lord in their own lives? Yes, ask yourself that. How are you pursuing, uh, pursuing the Lord in your own life? But how is that person pursuing the Lord? And let me talk to all the singles. Everyone's single in this room right now. Who might be pursuing, who might be looking. Hey, hey, okay. It's cool. But for those who are single in this room, what does your list of priorities for a potential spouse look like? Do these priorities more closely align to what the world says is, des- is desirable in a spouse or what God desires from a devoted follower of Jesus? That is how important this is. 
that Paul would speak on this directly after talking about the restrictions that we can have in our lives as we pursue the things of God because it is so difficult. But he is challenging us to be honest with ourselves and where we have placed our focus and our values when, when we talk about who we have chosen to be in relationship with. Really what he's kind of asking is, how can you have a deep, meaningful, spiritual relationship with someone that does not share your faith in Christ? Because recall in verse 3, that description of the realities. Remember that binder that we talked about? That heavy binder that lists all of the things that are going to weigh upon our lives. If we don't have a, have, a, have a spouse or a partner that is on the same spiritual path, it can be a significant restriction with our personal, our personal journey, our personal faith. And I'll just be straight. Some crucial conversations might come out of this. Some crucial conversations might come out of this because Paul was so passionate about sharing this with us even then. It is not going to be easy to follow the Lord, but it's always worth it. Why do we do this? Because it's worth it. Like we've said in this whole chapter, the, the, the hope, the life change, the joy, the peace, the passion that God ignites, the unity that he brings, it's so worth seeing that life change. But it is not easy. You know, the best part of all of this is we don't have to walk this journey alone. Because remember in verse 1, how it, how it begins is with him. With him. The creator of all the universe. The God who, who desires this relationship with us says, with me. Wow. We get to do ministry and work on our own lives with him, united with God. You know, there's a song uh, called Bigger Than I Thought, and man, as I was preparing for this week and just thinking about these things that I was going to share, this is big stuff. I mean, this is big. Relationships, marriages, the struggles that we walk through and that we navigate in life, it's big stuff. But God is so much bigger his understanding is so much bigger, so much greater. We might be standing in front of a wall right now where we say, I don't even know what step I should take right now. Well, let's start with three questions. Three questions to think about and pray about as we listen to this song and read the lyrics up on the screen. Because I truly believe that songs are such a great way to be the words that we might want to speak. They're great to be the prayer that we might want to pray, but we just, we just don't know how. We can use that song this morning to do that. But I want us to think about three questions in our lives. Is the person I'm in a serious relationship with pursuing Jesus in the same way that I am pursuing Jesus? So it makes us look at how we're pursuing, but it also makes us examine how they are pursuing. 
Am I sincerely and desperately praying for my spouse that isn't a follower of Christ? And am I setting a clear example of what it is to follow Christ? How can I stir my spouse to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus? Big questions, big stuff. But God is bigger, he is greater, and yet he wants to work with us. Speak to me when the silence steals my voice in the valley of unknowns. You understand me. So I throw all my cares before you. My doubts and my fears don't scare you because you are bigger. You are bigger. So I will stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. What an amazingly powerful line. We don't need to negotiate with God because he's already offered us the best deal we can ever get. We don't need to negotiate because he's given us the best deal we can ever get. Life in presence, life working united with him. May the negotiation stop and the commitment and discipline begin as we pursue what God has for us. As difficult as these things may be, we walk out of here today knowing and reminded that we are with God in it. There is hope for all things and nothing is too big.